MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, October 8th, 2021. Today, a federal judge has blocked the Texas abortion ban for now. Several Trump DOJ officials testified at the select committee behind closed doors. The Senate Judiciary releases its report detailing how Trump and top DOJ officials attempted to overturn the 2020 election, a new hearing in the Lev Parnas case, and the Department of Justice secures another cooperation agreement in the insurrection investigation. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hello, hello. Hi, I know these stories aren't schadenfreude, but they're kind of amazing. Like, there's some good news mixed in with all of this craziness. There is. that. There seems to be this huge pushback on, uh, you know, on the socials or people like, oh, it's not enough. And it's like, all right, just hang on, everyone. Just hang on. I know. It, it, it was a rough day in that respect. But, you know, when when my that's my only complaint, things are going well. So absolutely. We got good news down in Texas. We've got I mean, we've got a lot of stuff. But you also have like hundreds of pages of a document that we have to somehow get through. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm going to break these down. I want everybody to know I'm going to get into the weeds on Mueller. She wrote this weekend on Sunday. But today we're going to go over somehow multiple documents that are hundreds of pages long. Like you said, I'll also be talking with Adam Klasfeld of Law and Crime about the latest partisan Fruman show, the Lev Parnas hearing that happened this week and a couple of key hearings from some insurrectionists, including a plea agreement and some cooperation. So there is a lot to go over today. So uh, why don't we why don't we start with hot notes? Hot notes. All right. Top story today. Merrick Garland won his restraining order, not restraining order, but injunction to temporarily block SB8. That's the abortion ban in Texas. Here's some quotes from that. And by the way, yes, I say Merrick Garland because everyone is congratulating the judge, Dana. But I don't think the judge would have much to go on if Merrick Garland didn't file his exemplary lawsuit followed up by his motion to enjoin. Here's a quote. Despite the state's attempts to obscure the question, people seeking abortions face irreparable harm when they are unable to access abortions. This is the judge, by the way. These individuals are entitled to access to abortions under the U.S. Constitution and SB8 prevents access to abortion. A preliminary injunction will allow, at least for uh, some subset of affected individuals, abortions to proceed that otherwise would not have. And that is Judge Pittman, an Obama-appointed judge. Not that it matters, but we bring that up now, ever since the former guy was in office. And this is a 113-page ruling, Dana, and it's scathing. Wow. Pittman goes on, quote, Above all, it is the intentional design of the law by state actors for the chief purpose of avoiding judicial review that sets it apart and makes it particularly likely to be appropriate for this court to enjoin. And it's interesting, too, Dana, because if they had granted the restraining order instead of injunctive relief and it went up to the supreme court the supreme court could again shadow dock it away right and that's why they went this route i believe brilliant now the white house and the justice department praised the decision tonight's ruling is an important step forward toward restoring the constitutional rights of women across the state of texas that's jen Psaki. And she added, the fight has only just begun, both in Texas and in many states across this country where women's rights are currently under attack. And I'm assuming she's referring to also the 15-week Mississippi case that's being heard yep. in oral arguments in November that we'll find out about next year. 
And Attorney General Merrick Garland said today's ruling in joining the Texas law is a victory for women in Texas and for the rule of law. It is the foremost responsibility of the Department of Justice to defend the Constitution. We will continue to protect constitutional rights against all who would seek to undermine them. Within about an hour of Pittman releasing his decision, Texas filed a notice to appeal to the New Orleans-based Fifth Circuit, very conservative court of appeals, with the outcome of that appeal likely to wind up at the Supreme Court within weeks, Dana. And I want to read to you what Neil Katyal, who is a very important constitutional scholar, wrote this, the special counsel regs, said about the next steps. He said this will next go to the conservative Fifth Circuit since a lower court can't overrule Roe v. Wade. The only way the Fifth Circuit can reverse the judge's order is on standing. And we've talked a lot about standing on the podcast. And he continues, in order to overturn the injunction on standing, the Fifth Circuit would have to conclude that the Department of Justice cannot argue on behalf of constitutional rights. He says that's a good argument if you're in the Soviet Union. (laughs) Katyal is optimistic the appellate court will uphold the order. Finally, he says it will go to the Supreme Court, and Katyal says they will have to hear full arguments or refuse to hear it, leaving the injunction in place, and cannot overturn it using the shadow docket, as they would be able to if this were a restraining order. So, very good news and a very big win, not just for women's rights in Texas, but for this Department of Justice specifically. And, you know, I I just want to keep kind of driving that point home that that incredible lawsuit and his I don't know who put it together I you know I don't want to give Merrick Garland full credit here it could have been Lisa Monaco it could have been Civil Rights Division I have no idea he might have had help from a friend whose name rhymes with bribe yeah <laughs> Borens Ribe yes <laughs> uh, but you know that it's important to know that you know the media keeps saying Biden administration win. Judge Pittman win. I don't want to leave the Department of Justice out of it. Absolutely. And I'm sure they appreciate it. If, you know, Merrick Garland is listening. We've said that before. Maybe he is. (laughs) All right. Next up, Richard Donahue, formerly the Justice Department's second in command, appeared for a closed door interview on Friday with a select panel investigating January 6th. That's according to two sources familiar with the matter. Now, the interview, one of the panel's first, comes as its investigators accelerate their probe of events leading up to the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Donahue's tenure at the Justice Department in the final days of the former guy's administration has drawn scrutiny from lawmakers as they explore the former president's attempts to pressure the department to interfere in the 2020 election. And all kinds of shit has come out with that. (laughs) Now, a spokesperson for the panel declined to comment. A lawyer representing Donahue did not respond to a request for comment either. Now, the January 6th panel chair alluded to the start of their closed-door interviews on Friday. And a quote, we are questioning some of the voluntary witnesses today and we'll continue that process. We'll have other subpoenas scheduled to come out and we'll continue to do our work. And that's from Rep. Benny Thompson, as we know, a Democrat from Mississippi. That's what he told reporters. The panel also faces key deadlines this week in its investigation. Some of the former president's closest aides and advisors have been given until Thursday to provide documents related to the attack and failure to comply would result in criminal referrals. Again, that's what Thompson said on Friday. Friday's interview was not Donahue's first sit-down with the congressional panel investigating the aftermath of the 2020 election. He actually completed a closed-door interview with the Senate Judiciary Committee at the beginning of August. So the House Oversight Committee has also scheduled interviews with Donahue and other former Justice Department officials, but abruptly canceled the interviews and handed off its investigation to the select panel. Now, you've talked about this, and you can comment when I'm done, but Donahue (laughs) took detailed notes 
On December 27th's call between the former guy, former president Donald Trump, and acting attorney General Jeffrey Rosen, in which the former president had pressured the Department of Justice officials to call the 2020 election corrupt and illegal, even as they told him the claims of voter fraud were false. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, uh, you know, Don- the Justice Department officials for the Oversight Committee abruptly canceling the interviews, handing it off to the select panel. It is the select panel that is coordinating with the Department of Justice. And why would they be doing that, Dana? To ensure that they don't step on any toes of a criminal investigation. And a little bit later, we're going to talk more about that. But, you know, I was very taken aback by the fact that this was behind closed doors because this panel is here for the public. And if they're interviewing people behind closed doors, that suggests to me that after coordinating with the Justice Department and having all other committees hand everything to the select committee, that the Department of Justice doesn't want these to be public because they could interfere right. with either a current ongoing investigation or perhaps a future potential ongoing investigation, meaning at the very least, the door is open for a criminal investigation by the Department of Justice into the leaders of the insurrection. Just saying. That's all. That's all. That's it. But you've got others. <laughs> yes. Also released today, the Senate Judiciary Report on Trump and top DOJ officials attempts to overthrow the government. Trump directly asked the Justice Department nine times to undermine the election result as his chief of staff, Mark Meadows, broke administration policy by pressuring the Justice Department lawyer to investigate claims of fraud. And that's according to the report, which is based on witness interviews of top former Justice Department officials. The Democratic-led committee also revealed that White House counsel Pat Cipollone threatened to quit as early as January as Trump was considering replacing then-acting Attorney General Rosen with Jeffrey Clark a DOJ piece of shit who supported election fraud conspiracies. After the eight-month investigation, the findings highlighted the relentlessness of Trump and some of his top advisors as they fixated on using the DOJ to prop up false conspiracies of election fraud. The committee report is the most comprehensive account so far of Trump's efforts to overturn the election, and it described his conduct as an abuse of presidential power. I call it seditious conspiracy, but you can go ahead and say that if you want. (laughs) And do you remember, gosh, I think it was a little over a month ago, maybe almost a month ago, I was like, has anybody made the connection between John Eastman's six point memo and the letters that Jeffrey Clark sent out? He was going to send them to seven states. The six point memo said Pence should throw out the electors for seven states and those seven states should be putting together alternate slates of electors. And I'm like, has anybody made this connection? This is a conspiracy. Did they meet with Trump? Somebody should look into it. They did look into it. They did meet with Trump. It was coordinated. I think it's more than an abuse of presidential power. Yeah. But the release of the report Thursday morning, Senator Chuck Grassley said he issued a GOP version, which pushes back on the Democrats' findings and defends Trump, saying he listened to his senior advisors and followed their advice and recommendations. If my senior advisor tells me to shoot you in the face, yeah, <laughs> still a problem. Appearing on New Day on CNN Thursday morning, Senate Judiciary Chairman Dick Durbin said the U.S. was half a step away from a constitutional crisis, a full-blown constitutional crisis. And I'm like, dude, Dick, we've been half away, half a step away from a constitutional crisis for for a while now. Five years. Yeah. Quote, first phase, Trump goes to court, loses every lawsuit, which claims there were voter fraud in the election. Next, he decides he has to take over the Department of Justice and the attorney general and have the attorney general push this narrative onto the states to tell them to stop sending in their electoral college vote totals. When that failed, 
and our report goes into graphic detail of the efforts that were made. The third step was to turn the mob loose on the Capitol that day, on the day we were counting ballots. Oh, gosh, is it all connected, Dick? Are you going to make criminal referrals? The 400-page report by Senate Democrats called Subverting Justice slams the actions of Jeffrey Clark, who they say became a crucial player in Donald's attempt to use the DOJ for his political gain. The Senate Judiciary Committee announced on Thursday they were referring him to the D.C. bar for a review of his professional conduct. Okay, slap on the wrist. The committee said it has not yet made findings of possible criminality since their investigation is not complete. So this is saying the Senate Judiciary isn't saying we didn't see any crimes. They're saying we're still investigating. So we haven't made those findings. Mm -hmm. Clark has not been charged with any crime. And as I've said, Dana, it could be possible if the Department of Justice is not already conducting a criminal investigation that they may be trying to insulate themselves from, you know, politicizing this entire thing by waiting for a criminal referral from perhaps the Senate Judiciary Committee, from perhaps the Select Committee or perhaps the Office of Inspector General, who's also investigating all of this shit. Clark was not interviewed by the committee. Instead, top Justice Department officials described in interviews he and Trump's plans to overturn the election. Clark had pushed Rosen and Donahue, then second in command at the Department of Justice, to use the DOJ to announce election fraud investigations and ask leaders in Georgia to appoint electors, potentially disregarding the certified popular vote. They were going to do that for the other six states, too. Mm -hmm. Clark began making the pitch in late December. After speaking with Trump directly, the committee found (laughs) the Senate committee. It's like everything we've said. The Senate committee wrote he may have had assistance from lower level allies within the Justice Department and even attempted to bargain with Rosen on his plan, saying he would turn down a chance at taking Rosen's place. That's a bribe to me. He basically said Clark told Rosen, hey, I'll turn down the chance to take your job if you say, yep, Georgia, there was corruption in Georgia. Wow. Clark's proposal, quote, to wield DOJ's power to override the already certified popular vote reflected a stunning distortion of the DOJ's authority. DOJ protects ballot access and ballot integrity, but has no role in determining which candidate won a particular election. (laughs) At all. Now, this story is going to start where you're like, why are we covering this? And you'll quickly understand. So a looming court battle in Scotland could see the government there forced into an unprecedented investigation of how the former guy came to purchase a lavish golf course in all cash. Just all cash. Just Just bags of cash. Yeah, just bags of cash. Just rolls of pennies. A campaign group (laughs) suspicious of the source of Trump's wealth hopes to prompt a so-called unexplained wealth order, known informally as a McMafia investigation into the purchase. Nick Flynn, legal director of the campaign group of Boz, told Insider there was a towering cloud of suspicion over Trump's $60 Purchase, $60 million cash purchase of Turnberry, the storied resort near Glasgow in 2000. This is a 2014 purchase, okay? And uh, remember, he ran for president in 2016. But whatever, I'm sure they're not connected at all. And remember when Eric was like, we get all our money from Russia. We don't spend any of our own money. Yep, the former president purchased the resort using cash, despite having spent his career until then relying on borrowed funds to build his real estate empire as the self-styled king of debt. You love that. The source of the money is a secret. Really? The only hint so far, other than Eric, confessing on national television. (laughs) The king of debt cracks me up, too. Like, there's a little black spot on the sun today. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) It's the king of debt. Oh, my God. 
The only hint, as we talked about, is the unverified claim that the money came from Russia, which came from Eric Trump's mouth. Anyway, <laughs> James Dotson, a famed golf correspondent, claimed that Eric Trump... Oh, oh, wait, there's famed golf correspondent? Yeah. I'm sorry, I love golf. Yeah, there you go, me too. Claimed Eric Trump, a director of Turnberry, and a second resort in Aberdeenshire. I hope that a one's Burdenshire. right. It's probably a like... Aberdeenshire. Yeah. Um, it is Scotland, so it might be Aberdeenshire. I told him in 2000, someone's going to correct me and I'll just take it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Send him in. Send, Send him, him in. in. I'm ready. Do it. I'm DailyBeansPod.com. Click on contact. Tell us how to say fucking, fucking bring Aberdeenshire. It. Let's do this. Okay. Then no one knows what I'm saying right now because I forgot where we're at in this, in this <laughs> sentence. So I'm just James Dodson. Yeah. James Dodson. He's this famed correspondent. He claimed that Eric Trump, as well as a director at Turnbury and a second resort in Aberdeenshire, told him in 2014, that the Trump organization had, quote, all the funding we need out of Russia. He said this on television. It wasn't just Eric. Okay. Oh, my God. When the story was widely circulated in 2017, Eric Trump denied Dotson's claim, describing it as completely fabricated. And there has been no other explanation offered the unusual all-cash purchase. He denied it, except when he went on Fox News. Okay, Scotland's regional government, led by First Minister Nicola Sturgeon, rejected earlier calls for a money laundering probe into Trump's business acquisitions in Scotland. So the resorts provided a backdrop for some memorable moments before and during his presidency. Now, the former guy, whose mother was Scottish, has spoken warmly of his heritage and made a point of visiting the country. He went to Turnbury as a presidential hopeful in 2016, one day after the UK had voted to the EU and would later claim, falsely, that he had been there before the result was known and accurately predicted it. Which he I liked. guess Brexit is what they're talking about. I think so, yeah. And he was like, yeah. the news going to happen. During a trip to the UK in 2018, he headed for Turnbury rather than staying in London, which helped him avoid mass protests, including a large blimp that was flown outside the Houses of Parliament depicting him as a giant baby. I think we've all <laughs> seen it. Scotland's Justice Minister in February... This year called Trump a deplorable individual, but argued that politicians don't have the powers to initiate unexplained wealth orders. They do not. Hmm. The latest development is that Vaz is preparing to take Scotland's ministers to the court of session. That's the country's highest civil court. Now, the group plans to argue that ministers misinterpreted the law and are wrong to conclude that such an investigation is outside their power. Now, at a judicial review slated for October 26th and 27th, lawyers of Avaz will argue that ministers do, in fact, have the ability to initiate an investigation into Trump's finances. An unexplained wealth order would allow Scotland to demand that the Trump organization show how it funded the purchases in Scotland. Where'd you get your money? In the extreme cases, the extreme cases, orders allow for the confiscation of property, at least if he has any left, Mm. even without proving criminality. That's a really important part. You don't have to prove criminality there. The intention was to allow authorities to punish organized criminals without reaching the high threshold for criminal prosecution. That's why that was put in place. Nice. I nice. know. Well, I'm all for it, Scotland. Let's do it. Let's do it. Take, take down the SOB. A little bit of last minute news. The select committee on the insurrection has now issued some more subpoenas, this time for Ali Alexander, Nathan Martin, and Stop the Steal LLC. The deadlines for those are October 28th and 29th. I don't know if anyone knows where Ali Alexander is, but the subpoena has been issued. I think they should just subpoena everyone who's going to defy a subpoena now so we can get it through the courts before, you know, the year 3000. 
Adam Klasfeld is going to be speaking with me next. We're going to be talking about Lev Parnas and the latest hearing in his case. And of course, a couple of cooperation agreements or at least one cooperation agreement and some pleadings in the insurrection investigation. We'll do that right after this break. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Thanks for supporting The Daily Beans. Today's episode is sponsored by Upstart. With a credit balance hanging over your head month after month, making the minimum payments and not making a debt in that principle, it might seem like you're never in a never-ending cycle of debt without any relief in sight. But you can make that final payment with Upstart and take control of your debt. It's easy to pay off your debt with an online personal loan using Upstart. Over a million people have used Upstart to consolidate high-interest credit card debt, pay off their loans or fund personal expenses, and they do it with one fixed monthly payment. Upstart looks beyond your credit history to find a better loan rate by considering other factors, such as your income and current employment and your employment history. You can check your rate without impacting your credit score in minutes. It's a soft pull. And you can do this so easily online and you can do it for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. And you can receive your funds as fast as one business day after your loan is accepted. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash daily beans. That's upstart.com slash daily beans. Please use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and other certain information provided in your loan application. Head to upstart.com slash daily beans to get started today. You'll be glad you did. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Today, I'm joined by my friend, Adam Klasfeld. He's the managing editor at Law & Crime. Hello, Adam. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Allison? I think I'm busy, but not as busy as you being a court reporter (laughs) right now with the DC docket and and all of the hearings and cases that are being covered. It's it's intense. It doesn't relent, particularly with the uh, January 6th cases. There are a number of them every single day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, th- I can't even ima- I can't even imagine. And the and the the docket was already backed up to begin with after COVID, so it just must be a zoo uh, over there at, at the court <laughs> at the courthouse. But I wanted to talk to you about something that happened yesterday. Lev Parnas of the Parnas and Fruman Show, a, f- a fraud guarantee with Rudy Giuliani, the the uh, mm. the Fairtosh joint, allegedly <laughs> had a hearing, right? I think it was a, fi- a, a final hearing in a series of hearings. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us what went on? Because we haven't heard from Lev in a while and he had been tweeting like he was cooperating. And then but the, there's some information that came out yesterday that's very pertinent to his cooperation or non-cooperation or, or what's what's going on. Well, yes, absolutely. What happened yesterday was there was another arraignment because federal prosecutors brought forth a third superseding indictment. So Lev Parnas pleaded not guilty. Now, after that not guilty plea, as you mentioned, it was the last hearing. It was a final pretrial conference before trial begins next week. And before that, in kind of making sure that the defendants want to go to trial, the judge questioned the parties, hey, were there any plea offers extended? And if so, what? just map those out, what happened? And Basically, Lev Parnas's attorney, Joseph Bondi, said that there weren't anything more than just talks. A prosecutor said that there was never a written agreement offered, did say that there were discussions that lasted for months, but it was never formalized, never brought up the chain for the DOJ. And so there was no cooperation there, and which was very interesting because, as you know, Allison, 
from the very beginning of the case, you had Lev Parnas quite happy to talk to everyone and every, and anyone. He spoke to the House Intelligence Committee. He went on Rachel Maddow. He even spoke to me. We had an extensive interview uh, in the days when, a little bit more than a year ago, when I was working for Courthouse News at the time. Uh, so he's been vocally talking to his story in the press, to Congress. But at the end of the day, there was no formalized deal offer and obviously because none offered, none accepted. The same thing was true of his co-defendant. You had uh, Andre Kukushkin. He, that, that was not even going to the level of months-long informal talks. So again, no plea deal. Also of interest, this was originally a four-defendant case, two did take a plea deal, and that was David Correa, and finally, of course, Igor Fruman, as you said earlier, of the Parnas and Fruman show. <laughs> now, was there any indication as to why prosecutors didn't offer a plea agreement to Parnas? Or because I think I heard or I read in your in your report out that you put out in Law and Crime after the hearing that apparently they it seemed as though Bondi was saying that they did make an offer, but the offer was to plead guilty to all of the charges. And so he absolutely he turned that down. And so that doesn't sound like a, a deal. That just sounds like, hey, will you plead guilty to everything we want to charge you with? Because normally you, you and I know what happens is they'll bring forth one or two charges and say, we've got nine more. You want to talk to us? They'll enter into a formal plea agreement. And, you know, charge them for the for the what what they agreed to charge them with, provided, of course, that the the proffer session doesn't have any lies or anything in it or nothing is omitted. Uh, what is your sense here? And obviously we're going into speculation land, but is Parnas just not a good witness? Did they not want to co-op? Do we know anything about that? Or is there any indication as to why uh, an offer wasn't made or an offer of only, you know, pleading guilty to all the counts? Honestly, it's one of the mysteries of the case. Uh, as you said, and as I reported, the as articulated by Joe Bondi, the uh, offer was eat every count. That was an exact quote that from Joseph Bondi at the hearing. Now, I should m- mention that prosecutors do say they got a little bit more generous than that. What the exact nature of that was, was a little bit inconclusive from the hearing. But it's one of the things as we go to trial that is a mystery. Here we have someone who is speaking of a number of different alleged schemes, one in Ukraine. He spoke to me about Trump's entanglements in Turkey. He's been speaking to CNN about Giuliani in Venezuela. This is now I should also note that Venezuela, Turkey are not part of this case per se, but this is someone who is telling his story to the press, to Congress, but ultimately could not snag a deal. And do we know, because, you know, right now, Rudy was Rudy Giuliani, who was also part of Fraud Guarantee, is being investigated actively for his participation in shit that went down in Ukraine. Masha Yovanovitch, Fraud Guarantee, everything that happened side by side with the Korea Parnas and Fruman. Do we know if he's because this is D.C. that Parnas was indicted in, right? No, 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 no. The Southern District of New York, the same district where Giuliani is being investigated, in fact. So theoretically, the cases could theoretically intersect. That said, 
The federal prosecutor said yesterday when talking about right now, they're talking about pretrial matters. This is going to go before before a jury. And one of the things they're going to screen the jury for are political beliefs and whose names are going to come up. Trump and Giuliani. Oh, that's right. So the prosecutor said that he didn't anticipate it would be a problem because they were, in his words, peripheral figures to this trial. So that whether that says anything about whether whatever is being under investigation in the Giuliani matter is going to intersect with Parnas's case, that might have been the prosecutor tipping his hand. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, a, a, the prosecutor could also be thinking, hey, we you know, we've got a special master going through all the Rudy stuff. Right. And if I'm uh, if I'm getting it on a rolling basis from Barbara Jones, which they are, and I've got enough evidence for a slam dunk and I don't need Parnas and Freeman in Korea's, you know, testimony. But that doesn't uh, you know, that that generally isn't the case. Usually you want something. So it, it doesn't seem to me to stand to reason that they're just not that, you know, they're saying eat every charge or close to every charge because I've got more than enough to get Rudy and he's he's our target. But it also kind of says that there could be a possibility that they don't necessarily need to use a Parnas or Kukushkin to to roll up on a bigger fish and that they're actually just targets in, in this scenario. But, you know, who knows? Uh, it, it's interesting because another thing to note, the two defendants who have pleaded guilty, there was no cooperation agreement. Igor Fruman did not enter into a cooperation mm-hmm. agreement. David Correa did not enter into a cooperation agreement. And of course, they didn't sign a deal with the two guys left standing who are about to go to trial. So we'll see. I mean, we know already that Trump and Giuliani's names will be mentioned at trial. And of course, how could they not, given the nature of the allegations in the indictment? And to what extent will we learn more information? Another thing that was revealed at the hearing by Joseph Bondi, Parnas's attorney, is that the first witness that the government plans to call, according to Bondi, is Joseph Ahern, who is a director at America First Action, the pro-Trump super PAC. So whether or not as the prosecutor said, these are peripheral figures to the case. They are figures whose presence looms large over the entire affair. Yeah. And we're, I'm sorry, were they referencing that Trump and Giuliani were peripheral figures to Parnas's case or vice versa? That they were peripheral figures to Parnas's case. That's what the prosecutor said. Interesting. Because, you know, that and, you know, you bring up a good point. The other two didn't have a plea agreement either makes me wonder if if there was an offer where they weren't supposed to eat all the charges maybe there was one or two charges that they left off maybe we'll see another superseding indictment but is that even feasible since this was the last hearing before trial starts it seems there was an exchange between the judge and the remaining co-defendants and basically asked them are you sure you want to take this to trial it was a final pre-trial hearing there was an arraignment if they wanted to plead guilty to any of the charges that was a time they could have done it i think it's pretty clear that on tuesday of next week there will be jury selection and we will start to hear opening statements sometime next week in a very anticipated trial yep well we'll be uh, following you on twitter to get that information. I appreciate you following this for us because this is old stuff and uh, trying to re- keep everything straight in my head is is pretty difficult. So I appreciate you. 
I have a couple questions about some hearings that you sat in on today, but I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Absolutely. Thanks. We'll be right back, everybody. Hey, everybody. It's AG, and this Helping of the Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp. They are a premier provider of online therapy. BetterHelp counselors can help you navigate life's challenges, no matter what you may be facing. You know, I've experienced PTSD and anxiety, and that's taught me to seek assistance rather than to try to deal with it alone. But it's hard to ask for help, at least it was for me, for years. But BetterHelp makes it convenient and easy to do so. You can message your counselor at any time from anywhere in the world. You get timely responses, and you can schedule weekly meetings by phone or video. It's very affordable, more affordable than traditional counseling, and they have financial aid available too. And if you need to change your counselor to get that great therapeutic match, it's easy and free. Visit BetterHelp's website and read testimonials like this one by user AZ, who says, Rebecca has been very, very helpful in making me realize what I actually wanted in my personal life. Apart from the support she's provided me when I was navigating through a difficult time in my marriage, she also helps me deal with stress and pressures of everyday life. The best decision I made was to choose BetterHelp and to pick Rebecca. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You can join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And because so many people are working on their mental health right now, BetterHelp is hiring new therapists in all 50 states. There's a special offer for Daily Beans listeners. You get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. Welcome back. We are talking to the managing editor of Law and Crime, Adam Klasfeld. And uh, we're going to switch gears now. Now over to the DC docket. Am I right? That's correct. Okay. And we had a couple of plea hearings today. Is that, uh, do I have that right? Or, or just hearings in general for some insurrectionists? Can you tell us the two key hearings of many probably that happened today? <laughs> yes. Well, two of the key cases, there was a plea agreement hearing in the case of Brandon Straka, who pleaded guilty to disorderly conduct inside the U.S. Capitol. Now, the interesting thing about Brandon Straka is that he was the founder of the so-called walk away campaign, urging people to in the name of the campaign, walk away from the Democratic Party to support Trump. He was also a speaker in the Stop the Steal rally. He was an organizer for them. And unlike anything in the Lev Parnas saga, there is cooperation involved in his plea agreement. So he did plead guilty. He did agree to cooperate. And the second hearing today was the case of Timothy, of, particularly of note today, I should say, was the case of Timothy Hale Cusinelli. He's a white supremacist, army reservist. You may have seen the photos of him in court documents, one of him in a Hitler mustache, posing as Hitler in a selfie. Now, that case, the hearing today was less about his what he did on January 6th or his uh, ideology than simply when trial will be. So that has been postponed. It will be a trial of next year. And this is why this was an interesting issue. It's a little bit more than a scheduling matter. You had the presiding judge in the case was not really inclined, given the scale of the investigation, to give the the government had requested a delay and he wanted to keep trial on a brisk pace. It was originally supposed to be for November because the... Timothy Hale Cusinelli asserted his speedy trial rights under the Sixth Amendment. Today, the judge ruled that the Sixth Amendment did not come into play, the adjournment was too brief, and that the defendant himself was responsible for the trial delays. This is an important issue in capital riot cases because just given the scale of it, we're talking thousands of hours of videos, the government is 
just sifting through a lot of stuff. So this was an important battle for the U.S. Attorney's Office, which they won today. How How is it specifically Cusinelli's fault that he he's delaying his own trial? What did he do to, to delay? So the judge said that uh, by filing an interlocutory appeal, um, and he essentially appealed his detention rulings. He was originally let loose by a magistrate judge. And after winning that ruling, a district court judge overturned it and ordered him detained pending trial. That was the ruling that he appealed. And the the D.C. Circuit affirmed that decision, said that his belief in a future civil war was more than enough to establish the risk of danger to the community, along with his uh, alleged actions during January 6th. That was enough to establish that he should be held in jail pending trial. Ah, so if you're remanded and you appeal it, you kind of are sort of waiving your manufacturer's warranty, so to speak. You're kind of like, (laughs) all right, well, it's on me now if I don't win the appeal and I got to stick around in jail until my trial can be set. I can no longer use the Sixth Amendment speedy trial thing. Is that do I have that right? To an extent, I think that the judge is considering many things. And I think that was one of them. I think the other thing that he was considering was uh, the speedy trial clock is supposed to be a year we're talking it's going to be something in the nature of 14 months, 15 months until his trial. This is an unprecedented investigation. So I think the judge considered all of those things, and it wasn't any one of them that skipped, that tipped the scale. And the other, of course, being COVID-19 and convening a trial just about anywhere is still extremely difficult. I, I'm assuming he, he's, he's pled not guilty. He has. And if he spends 14 months hanging around in lockup waiting for trial and only gets sentenced to four months, how does he get his 10 months back? <laughs> I guess you're just a SOL at that point. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think his attorney might make those similar arguments whenever he revisits and if he revisits the D.C. Circuit. What sort of sentence is he facing? Uh off the top of my head, I, I could not say I'd have to look mm. specifically into the details of his indictment. But it was one of the one of the arguments that he did make was that because he is in pretrial detention, the speedy trial rights were more important. And the judge was somewhat sympathetic to that. And it looked before today's hearing that he might have ruled the other way. But at the end of the day, the judge said this is, you know, it's an unprecedented investigation that we're talking thousands of hours of footage that the government is sifting through, that with COVID happening, it's worth a delay. Mitigating circumstances. (laughs) One final question about Straka, pled guilty and is cooperating. He he pled guilty, was it a misdemeanor or a felony he pled to? It was a misdemeanor. He was facing a felony charge. He was facing an obstruction felony charge, but he pled down. Huh, there was obstruction a, of Congress, huh? Obstruction of Congress. Right. <laughs> he was. Yeah, that was one of and that's one of the big felony charges that that some people have been pleading down to. But at the end of the day, Straka got much better deal. It's the type of charge that he pleaded guilty to is the sort of thing that prior folks have gotten 45 days it's fi- 45 day sentences. The maximum penalty for him will be six months. Did prosecution say he was providing substantial assistance or did they did they characterize the assistance he's providing in his plea agreement? Is there some sort of 
Is he part of any of the these uh, conspiracies that we keep hearing about? So that the prosecutors didn't tip their hand on this. One thing to keep an eye out, though, in terms of him being a speaker and organizer at for the Stop the Steal movement, the fact that he's cooperating makes his plea agreement all the more interesting. And of course, I'm going to keep an eye out for it. Yeah, I'm just wondering if he's connected to Alex Jones or Roger Stone or any of the militant extremist groups that, yeah, well, as we just learned today, like made a beeline for an alcove of windows that just happened to not be reinforced. I'm, I'm keeping my eye, trying to keep my eye on all yeah. of it. Yeah, well, you know, obviously, if that if those connections came up in court, that would be a headline <laughs> off the bat. And I would be sure to post that immediately because that'd be news i imagine although if those <laughs> and that might be why the hand wasn't tipped or it might not be anything at all but i i wouldn't imagine that those things would come up in court if if that were the case i, I don't think that anyone would say anything even if that <laughs> <were> the <case. laughs> right right i think that um especially the way that this investigation has played out I would be surprised if it was just casually mentioned, but you never know. That's why we dial into these lines and and show up to court. Yeah, you're just waiting for somebody to say say something uh, like sort of a little bit of tip of the cards we got from the prosecution in the Parnas hearing uh, yesterday. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Tell everybody where they can find you right now. Thank you very much. Well, uh, I'm the managing editor at Law and Crime. You can find that at www.lawandcrime.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Classfeld Reports. Sweet. Thank you so much. And uh, I know we'll be talking again soon. So uh, just keep me on hold. Just keep me on standby. Okay. Okay. You got it. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. (laughs) We'll be right back after this. Hello, it's Allison, and today's episode of The Beans is sponsored by Monk Pack. They make the most delicious snacks with virtually no sugar. It's almost impossible to find a healthy snack that tastes good and is filling and satisfying. But Monk Pack hits all three. It's the hat trick of awesomeness. They have their keto nut and seed bars that contain less than one gram of sugar, two to three grams of net carbs, and they're only 150 calories a piece, and they taste amazing. They're a great snack for anyone who's following a keto lifestyle or if you're just trying to eat healthier and cut back on carbs and sugar without sacrificing snacks. They're a perfect balance of sweet and salty. They have a cool crunch, that crunch that you crave, but because of the whole nuts and seeds, but they're somehow soft and chewy, they're delicious. And you can get them in caramel sea salt, peanut butter dark chocolate, and my current favorite, sea salt dark chocolate. They're keto-friendly, gluten-free, plant-based, non-GMO. They have no soy or trans fats or sugar alcohols or artificial colors. And with a subscription, I save 10% on all my orders and I'm always fully stocked with snacks. They're shipped to me automatically. We have a special deal for you. You get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at checkout. And Monk Pack is so confident in their product, it has a 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange it for you or refund your money, whatever you want. So to get started, go to monkpack.com. That's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com. Select any product and enter the code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. Monk Pack, delicious, nutritious food you can count on. And we thank them for sponsoring the show. Today's show is also brought to you by Quince. Imagine waking up one morning and everything you wanted is half the price. At Quince, it is not a dream. It is reality. I love Quince. It's been incredible finding so many luxury products for such low prices. I found apparel like cashmere's and then accessories like bags, home goods like bedding and accessories and more, all at 50 to 80% less than what I would normally pay. At Quince, you'll find the finest quality, Italian leather handbags crafted in Florence, silk loungewear and pajamas, which are so great for hot sleepers like me. They have five-star hotel quality Turkish cotton bathrobes. Oh, they're so comfy. 
100% grade A Mongolian cashmere sweaters, Belgian linen sheets, so much. And Quince goods are not only gorgeous and high quality and sold at radically lower prices, they're made in a sustainable way, which is very important to me. And with Quince, everything is 100% factory direct. So no retailer markups, no middlemen. Every Quince product is guaranteed to meet or exceed the quality standards of leading luxury brands, which is why their customers rate Quince so highly. And best of all, with Quince, there's free shipping and returns for a year, 365 days, as long as it's not a leap year, I guess. And uh, if, you know, if you're not completely satisfied, they'll give you a full refund. So to get from 50 to 80% off top of the line clothing and home goods and free shipping, text the word daily to 64,000. Again, text daily to 64,000. Terms apply. Available at onequince.com slash terms. Text daily to 64,000. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we're blown on good news. It's on the way. And if you have anything you want to send us, just literally anything, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. I'm going to go ahead and kick us off, Dana. Please do. And this is a submission from Melissa, pronouns she and her. For those that aren't in the Facebook group, I was diagnosed with breast cancer in mid-September. But after doing a bone scan and a CT scan, my oncologist told me last week my cancer was confined to my left breast and that it hasn't spread and is very treatable and should only take five to six months. So after feeling very on edge since my car accident in late July, finding the lump a few days later, the numerous biopsies and diagnoses, this was a very much needed relief. I also have my first treatment on Thursday afternoon, October 7th. Sorry, I don't have a pod pick to share today. That is okay. You have great fucking news. And I'm so happy for you, Melissa. Oh, Melissa. You are excused please, from your pod pet pick. Please keep us informed and we're all here for you. Indeed. Now this one, <laughs> I have a hallelujah first up for me. Uh, this is from Francis, pronouns she and her. It's a meta-hallelujah submission. Two different meanings here. Dear Allison and Dana, cheers. You've helped me make sense through these strange years. I always knew I'd end up writing to ya. But what would be the subject beans? The cats, the dogs, the mondegreens, or even first person singular nar? It's hallelujah, hallelujah. So sadly, no pets, but here's a picture of one of my neighbors in beautiful Worcestershire, UK. I know that's not how you say it. Worcester. <laughs> I want to say Worcestershire. It's cool. And what is it? It's, it? What is it? It's Worcestershire. It's not Worcestershire, is it? It's just Worcester. Worcester. Why are there yeah. so many fucking letters then? <laughs> <laughs> because of the sauce. Because of Worcestershire sauce. Wor- Worcester. All right. Worcester, UK. Look at the cow. Moo. Moo cow. Hey, you fucking cow. You guys don't know this. Like, I'm a very educated woman. I consider myself smart. But sometimes when we are reading this script, you guys don't even hear the shit. I screw up. And I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) And then she tells me and I'm like, of course, you know, when your brain just sees a word differently than you've said it your entire life. Yeah. Yeah. Awry. Fucked me up my whole life. Awry. I'm like, Owry? Yeah. Owry? (laughs) Anywho. Oh, awry. I know what that means. Next up from Ryan, he, him, they, them. Hello, Beans Queens. A quick good news update from Newfoundland, Canada. Not Newfoundland. No. My wife and I first met our amazing little daughter, Emery, last October in the middle of the pandemic. And while we were in the hospital, we couldn't have visitors due to the COVID restrictions. Even before the birth, we couldn't have a baby shower. And afterwards, we had very limited family coming over to our house to help out and such. But there were still a lot of friends and family that never got to meet her. Well, a full year has passed since then. 
and my little girl just had her first birthday this past Sunday, and we were finally able to invite all those people who've been dying to meet her. The COVID vaccination rate, two shots, in my province is over 83%. Nice. And our local governments and most of the people that live here have all done an amazing job in keeping the case counts low and COVID under control. We had a full day of safe fun with a house full of people who were all vaccinated and able to play with my daughter like the before times. And it was amazing. I felt slightly bad not inviting some of the family who were unvaccinated. Don't feel bad. But after some of the arguments that entailed, I no longer feel compelled to invite any of those people into my daughter's life. For pet tax, I have a what the mutt. Oh, our 110 pound lap dog Nova. All right. If you're in Newfoundland, I'm going to guess part Newfoundland, but I haven't seen the photo yet. (laughs) who likes to follow Emery around on the floor and clean up after her when she drops food (gasps) while the cat sits up high somewhere and leers down at them for having fun. See if you can guess his breed mix. The answer's below. I love listening to Daily Beans every morning when I go to work and thank you. And everyone at the MSW Media Group, thank you for everything you do. Keep up the great work. That gasp in the middle of your sentence was because I saw the first picture. See, it it elicited the exact same noise from you. The... Look at the cheeks. Uh, oh. Okay, 110-pound oh. lap dog. Newfoundland, wow. Newfoundland lab Wolf. Aussie. Great Mastiff. Great Dane. And look at the chonker cat, too. You that just have... Chonker cat. Oh, we oh have answers. God. Yeah, we do. Uh, Nova's answers to Husky German Shepherd Black Lab. All right. 110 pounds. Jeez. That's I thought for sure dog. there'd be a newfie in there. Okay, I can already see ahead that we've got more hallelujah. There's three verses, so I'd like for you to come in the second one, okay? Because I, I shouldn't get all these to myself today. All right, we'll do. Just for, for the listeners of no other reason. Okay, here's my submission to the Hallelujah Project. This is from Anonymous, pronouns she and her. I hope you will have mercy on those of us who lack sufficient discipline to control our earworms. And I'm sorry for the guy who took this to court. You've clearly lost. <laughs> all right. The Daily Beans, my favorite show. Without your help, I would not know the depths of Trump's corruption. Mm. I love the news. I love the swears. I love how much you really care. You're the patron saints of podcast news. For that, I must salute you. <laughs> There's some creative license taken I with know, this one. I know. Hallelujah. 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 I think we can leave the... I think from now on, we'll just do the verses here. You uh, got it. You, but why? Because you don't like my lower range? Is that why? No. No, it's just there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, okay, go ahead. No other podcast can compare, and yet one thing I cannot bear, it is hallelujah. I go to sleep to find relief, but to my utter disbelief, I wake up singing hallelujah. Uh, it's in my dreams, and when I wake, I cannot shake this hallelujah you are lucky that this is anonymous because people are going to be trolling you for this one just 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 tough for us okay there is no verse that goes right here so i'll just sing i have no fear and that's the last part of hallelujah all right now you all right the earworm strong and will not go it's reinforced to every show and how i'll shake it i don't know that hallelujah It's not my nature to complain, but the earworm's causing mental pain. And I just keep on singing hallelujah. That was good. Nice job on that one. Yep. Hallelujah. 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 For pod pet tags, here's a photo of one of my fur babies. She was a rescue from a kill shelter in Tennessee. Good job. Not sure what she is, but I'm pretty sure some Aussie mix in there. She also looks, um, she's got that nub there. I I know it sounds strange, but almost like a Rottweiler. 
Yeah, or you know, Aussies have that too. Do that they? Little- the little nub tail. Yeah. Oh, do they do that? I don't like that they do that to them. Is there a good reason to nub a, a dog? To nub a dog? Well, m- most of the Aussies that that I know, uh, because they've had their tails clipped for generations, are just now born without tails. Oh, interesting. Okay. I don't know anyone who actually clips tails. That's. Weird. I guess that's true. Rots don't sound like they're people. Because <laughs> see, what is wrong with me? You would think I'm. <laughs> it's not like people are chopping up right while it. I can't breathe. <laughs> I know they. <laughs> I know they clipped Toby's ears, but for some reason my brain went. So they must chop off Tom's tails. They do. I can't breathe right now. They do. They do. Oh my god. They do. I just made myself cry. Well, if you're cho- stop chopping off dogs' tails. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Please, everyone. Shit. <laughs> Next up from Jen, pronouns she and her. Dana's taking her glasses off right now to clear the tears out I'm of her eyes. I'm so sorry, you guys. That one got me. I don't know why. <sighs> Next up here, Jen says, subject, shit kids say, puberty edition. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Scene. Dad, mom, and 12 are heading home from the bookstore. 12 from the back seat. When I get my driver's license, I want my first car to be a van. Mom and dad in unison. No. 12. Why not? Mom, because I don't want to be a grandma. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 12. What? I just think a van could be great because I could haul around all kinds of stuff. Dad, what kinds of stuff? 12. I don't know. My books, you know, stuff. I don't know. Pillows? <laughs> Mom and dad, absolutely not. <laughs> Mom, that's a no. 12. What do you mean? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with a van? Dad says, with pillows? 12-year-old gives a puzzled look. Mom and dad, nothing. 12-year-old, oh! Dad laughs and tries to keep the car on the road. Shit kids say, write it up for the beans. End scene. Nice. (laughs) And Spod Pet Tax, please accept this photo of 12 and his BFF Tanner wearing a new bandana that Grandma sent. Oh my gosh, they're both really adorable. (laughs) That is really funny. What's wrong with the van? (laughs) What's wrong with pillows in a van? Oh, you guys. It reminds me of... uh, Oh, like a windowless van. Can we have a windowless van? (laughs) What's that uh, from... uh, What's that movie? Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. At the end, he's like, oh, I get it. French class. Ah." Yeah. (laughs) It's where my head goes every time. I'm very sorry about that whole Rottweiler issue. I am good now. Yes, I think the public service announcement is don't clip your dog's ears and tails. Thank you. Thank you. Unless they're born that way. And don't declaw your cats. Unless it's, I don't know, unless it's better for their health. I don't know. It's not. Yeah. That's it for today. If you That was enough. I will tell you right now, that was enough. If you have anything you want to send in, you could do it at dailyfeedspot.com. People are like, where the fuck is Amy? <laughs> Click on contact. I, she's being a movie star, you know? Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, uh, any any final thoughts? Oh, before? no. I think I should stop talking today. Sounds good. I'm going to stop, too, because <laughs> I can't stop laughing at you laughing your face. Although uh. I will say, I will say this. Y'all can't see because Dana and I do Zoom when we record this. We could see each other's faces and there's nothing that brings me more joy than seeing you (laughs) uncontrollable happiness and laughter. I must say it is a very, very awesome thing. Thank you. I feel the same way. It's been too long since I've laughed like that. Oh, that's good. Your face is all right. It's fantastic. (laughs) 
<sighs> and you have one of the greatest smiles like on the planet. If no one knows Aww. this, you must go seek out a photo of Dana because and you know it too. Everyone's like that. That smile, though. You're so sweet. Good. If you want to see it, it's on my Instagram, TG Comedy. <laughs> <laughs> everybody until till oh wow okay so we've got the msw book club on sunday and we've got muller she wrote and then you and i'll be back around monday morning and until then i'm laughing because there's literally a trash person collecting the trash so i feel like it's time to close the show we better everybody please take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of the planet and take care of your mental health i've been allison gill and i've been dana goldberg and them's the beans the Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. <laughs>